Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies, from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts, hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host. We're going to be uh, having our first double header today. <laughs> and so this is going to be part one of the episode where uh, we're going to be talking about total cost of ownership, myths, and uh, all sorts of things that, that come into play as we talk about e-commerce platforms and how you can choose between them, why one might be better than another for you. And we're going to do our best to talk about how some of that's evolved and how people think about it. And sometimes... <laughs> Why no two organizations do the math the same way, which I think is a big part of the, the challenge that uh, a lot of folks you know, they experience when they're trying to choose a platform is, is that no one's speaking exactly the same language. So it's very hard to compare apples to apples. And uh, with us today, uh, we have the <laughs> venerable Ben Marks, uh, who many know from his years in the Magento ecosystem, but uh, now many are getting to know him all over again over at Shopware. And so he's really experienced this, uh, <laughs> first and foremost, being able to see uh, through the years, uh, as many of us have, how this has evolved and some of the challenges that, that are coming to play. So Ben, with no further ado, would you do the honor of, of introducing yourself for this first part of, uh, of, of this episode? Yeah, just E R A B L. Just looking up venerable. I just want to know what you just called me. <laughs> uh, that's very, very kind of you. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, first time, first time listener, long time, um, long time commerce agitator. Um, no, it's it's uh, been a fun journey for me, starting out in the early days of um, uh, my early days learning programming. We're on OS Commerce. Uh, way back in the day. So open source commerce always been there for me um, up through years of, of Magento agency work and then Magento evangelism. And now uh, find me here at Shopware. And yes, I am I'm itching to talk about to have maybe one of the earlier discussions, uh, earlier discussions or first discussions, you know, where we really take on what what TCO is, how it's abused, and and maybe even you and I can come up with a framework for how how to talk about it and how to educate um, how to educate especially merchants on TCO for them to consider what they're doing in the future. Oh, and you know, I, I think it's an undertaking because <laughs> it I think it's snowballed. I think it's gotten away from us. And I'm going to start us off with what I think is the elephant in the room. Why is TCO, total cost of ownership, treated like the holy grail by e-commerce platforms? Why is that what we're talking about in the first place? That's not how I shop for most things. That's, you know, <laughs> you might consider it in some ways. Hey, look, you know, I'm shopping for cars. This one's going to take a lot more maintenance or this one, you know, gas versus electric, that there are some differences. But yeah, it's not really how I choose the car. I don't go with a spreadsheet and say, well, this one's going to cost me, you know, $20 less a year um, in fuel. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to buy. Why is total cost of ownership what everyone is selling around? Well, you know, actually the, the scenario that pr you present, um, you know, that's, that's how you shop. Um, but, you know, you're not using your car uh, really for, for work. I mean, if I now, as a, if I had a business and it involved a fleet, you know, I probably am going to consider TCO. I mean, I'm going to consider that initial deal. Like what, what deal can they give me at the dealership? You know, what's, what's my, what's my cost to enter into a fleet? Um, how much can I standardize that fleet? Um, and, you know, and, and then you throw in all these other things, like what are the, what are the financing costs? And, and, you know, and, but you might actually come in with that matrix. Okay. So I know my, my team is going to be driving X number of miles per year. I'm going to look at maintenance costs over time. I'm going to look at fuel economy. Um, you know, it really, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. And that's, that's really what 
um, TCO discussions um, you have to think about whenever you're thinking about TCO is whoever's presenting it is presenting it from their point of view. And when it's a, when it's a platform talking about it, they're going to probably paint a really good picture of themselves. It's, it's not generally in a platform's uh, interest or, you know, best marketing practice to, to say, well, here's all our shortcomings. Uh, here's where you may experience, you know, um, you know, some, some dissatisfaction or some dissonance with uh, what we're, what, how we position ourselves. And, you know, that's, that's the, but that's what I want people to get to a point, uh, will get to a point of is, is being able to recognize the, the, the sort of equal opposite nature of, of, of features, benefits, um, uh, contraindications, et cetera. That that's, that's where I want to get this industry um, is to a standard, um, uh, a standard of talking about TCO in a pragmatic way, you know, or at the very least, making sure that the the consumers that have to evaluate things on a TCO basis, that they're thinking about this. Yeah. And I think that, you know, going back to the, the challenge here, and we've set it up really well between the two of us, but, you know, I, I'm going to stick with my car analogy for another minute. Because this is where, for me, it gets challenging. So let's say you want to go to an electric fleet. Well, yes, you can look at total cost of ownership, but you also have to factor in where are the charging stations. Uh, will are, is this going to be a good fit for our business, or you know, is there an opportunity cost? Is there technical debt that's going to come into play? You know, are, are we going to have to replace the you know <laughs> all the the batteries? And what's the disposal cost going to look like and how often and um, that you can just look at the cost per mile in energy consumption. And that's important. But you also have to be able to look at some of the other mitigating factors that are absolutely going to have a long term impact. And so let's start off in, in terms of one of those areas that I think everyone does the math differently on. If you're trying to look at total cost of ownership of an e-commerce platform. How long should you be looking at? Because if you want to look at year one, I think that you know the cost of building a site, um, a cost of licensing, a cost of certain things of maintenance is going to be one thing. But you know, I know a lot of folks that, <laughs> for better or worse, are still running on Magento One sites that go back, you know, ten years, and they've gotten an excellent total cost of ownership out of their platform. And so, you know, it's hard to to look at that and try to compare to, let's say, a three-year or a two-year or even a one-year total cost of ownership, where if you tried to stand them, you know, stand up their year one of building the site versus something else, that might be much more difficult. Um, yeah. So you're talking about um, that that the, the time scope. So basically, does the does the value of my investment in a platform, uh, you know, and and that's 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 initial research. That's actual investment in whether maybe you have to buy a license um, and maybe that license has a residual component to it. Um, you have to do the build out. And then what does that get you over time? And, you know, and then the TCO perspective, it changes as, you know, as, as that timescale changes. So if, if you're looking at, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to spin up like a, a D a to C company. Uh, I've got a great idea. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, probably, probably today it's like, you know, something CBD infused and, um, you know, but your plan is I'm going to, I'm going to get this thing acquired in a year. That's a much different perspective on, on TCO because, uh, then, then someone who's in it for a longer play, whether they know it or not, um, like whether they know what their, what that five, six, seven, eight, 10 year, um, horizon looks like. So, um, those those Magento One customers are a really interesting example um, because, you know, they, yeah, you know, what did it cost? What did it cost them to get up and running? And and what was available at the time? Like so, Shopify was there ten years ago, and but 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 wasn't able didn't didn't have nearly the uh, functionality that uh, that something like a Magento did. And if you go back, you know, even a little bit further, you even get to Magento back before there was an, even a license, like a paid license version. And so your startup costs were literally just, okay, we need to build out on this platform, but 
you have to look at where I would start looking at the the risk component of TCO, and that's that's really TCO is kind of it's it's a proxy for um, for certainty for 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 controlling costs because any new platform might be the hot thing, but if you can't get people to do the work on it, it's going to probably cost more money. It's going to be it introduces a little more risk into getting it it serviced along the way until that ecosystem evolves around it. But with um, with like a Magento One circa you know 2012, um, platform has had has had time to mature a little bit. Um, the uh, there's a pretty pretty healthy ecosystem around it, and that means, especially in an open source platform, there's a lot of room for innovation. Now, it's conceivable, and there are businesses. I mean, hell, there's still businesses live on OS Commerce, right? So there, there are businesses that 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 that, that have this longevity. Um, along the way, what did they have to give up for their platform? Um, you know, it, you know, it, what does their journey look like retrospectively? And that that is also a, a way, a framework for looking at TCO. So open source allows you to innovate quickly, but you also need to maintain that thing. It requires care and feeding. If you don't look after it, um, then then you're going to have problems. We saw that when Shoplift happened in like 2015. Um, and there are there are there's a cost there. Like if you get hacked. Right there's a cost there if you're not maintaining it uh, consistently, and then all of a sudden you need some new feature or um, something. Something happens, and you have to all of a sudden pay a lot of attention to it. And then you've got to bring your platform forward, possibly through multiple generations. SaaS platforms don't have this problem, right? Because the SaaS platforms they they control everything. That multi-tenant environment is really interesting. You know, I mean, it's proprietary, but at least they can they can deploy those updates. They um, you know, and they know it's going to work, right? And and I guess if they needed to push an update that might cause some problem with some small percentage, they mm-hmm. can do some extra migration path there or something. So that's that's the TCO advantage for them. The you know, but then over time, what is the the opportunity cost of of being on these platform one platform or another? Can can you do the innovation? Can you meaningfully differentiate from your competitor who's on that same platform? Um, so those that 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 company that maybe built the perfect sweet thing on Magento One like 2012 and has been basically been able to coast with just minimal like maintenance investment. You know, by the time you get to 1.9, the which is the 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 ultimate version of um, the final version of or yeah ma- final major version of um, sorry not major version but major release uh, mm-hmm. for the one branch. Um, that uh, it's such a well-functioning machine that you know to to make the jump to the next major version of the platform, right? To 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 Magento two. Well, you're kind of resetting because two was was a pretty big reset, effectively a new platform, and um, and then you're you're all of a sudden having to consider like where do I put my investment? Because once two is out, then all of the the whole ecosystem starts moving in that direction. And you've got to say, well, it, to go back to the car analogy, which seems seems apt here, you've got that car that you're planning to drive into the ground, but like at some point things start going either either start going wrong, or you're like, man, I wish I had Bluetooth. Man, I wish I had you know yeah, satellite. Well, now. It's harder to get replacement parts in relative terms that you don't know if everyone's going to upkeep the extensions. Uh, when support will go away for some of those, and that could be things that are crucial, like you know for payments and shipping and other things that APIs change on and uh, that need some level of maintenance. So uh, I'm with you there. I mean, in, in that case, you know, we have a lot of folks that are using solutions like Mage One and some on, on OpenMage. And yep. um, so there is some maintenance happening for that community. So they've lucked out that that the community rose to the occasion of providing some, some solves. But, you know, we've talked already a little bit about open source versus SaaS. And for our listeners, that's going to be part two of this episode. <laughs> that's a whole conversation onto itself. But I'm yeah. going to throw a, a wrench into the works because now you also have situations where you have, might have something like Magento open source, which is free, uh, no license cost, and Adobe Commerce, which is licensed and has an ongoing cost. And in that case, 
to some extent, you are back to some math challenges. When you're talking SaaS, it's comparatively more like leasing the car. You don't own it. Um, total cost of ownership as a result, especially for larger organizations, can be a lot higher than investing into the stack and owning the website. But when you're paying the ongoing fees, yep. uh, licensing fees, sometimes it, it, you know there, there might be maybe a little bit more of an apples to apples versus just owning the stack and buying it outright, so to speak, or, or you know, getting it for free. <laughs> um, you, know, you do still have to maintain, but, um, but you don't have that, that licensing. How, in your perspective, do merchants figure out whether they're better off with something like an open, uh, you know, a, a, a free open source license, um, regardless of what the platform is, um, or maybe a paid more enterprise license. To me, one of the, you know, the, the things that sticks out in my mind is you create a spreadsheet. And so this is back to total cost of ownership. And you look at, look, I, you know, there are these 30 features that come with the enterprise version, and I'm going to use five of them. And I could get extensions or third-party SaaS solutions to bolt on to the free version. Uh, and it would cost me X, or I could write them from scratch and it would cost me X, or I could get this license for Y and just have it all nice and neat in one package wrapped up in a bow. Uh, and, you know, that kind of gives you an idea. There are some fringe things that happen though, you know, so whether it's maybe some mm, support or, or other things that you might get with an enterprise license to a platform, whether it's Magento or, or competitor, do you have a, th you know, how does, is TCO different when you're talking licensed versus, you know, free open source? Um, yeah, it's 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 just all of what you have to consider. Um, and this is this is actually this is an interesting discussion because you can this is where you get you know, for the special cases of platforms that have that have open source competitors to themselves. Um, you know, you you do start to see the the TCO it's interesting to have a vendor presenting its TCO case in some ways against itself, right? Because, you know, I mean, open source, like an open source e-commerce platform can, you know, that, that can be the most expensive free thing out there, right? Because uh, especially if you, if you need features and functionality that exist in that paid version, and, and I would say probably from the Magento world, the, you know, the biggest, the biggest set of differences that you would get, um, where I think this pays off handsomely is um, is the B two B suite, right? So so taking a you know fundamentally B two C commerce app and and making it do B two B things is 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 really really challenging. And anyone that did that in the Magento One era, you know, knows this to be true. So I if if, if I'm a merchant and I know I'm going, I need now or will need. B2B capabilities. I've got two options. I look, okay, is there a B2B extension that I can bolt on? Mm -hmm. What is that price? What does the maintenance look like? Uh, what are the what is the feature set relative to what I need? Or do I build on, do I just go ahead and, and say, you know what, maybe that's going to cost, you know, 20,000 bucks to build out. And then there's going to be, especially if it's custom dev, there's going to be a higher, you can expect a higher level of maintenance. You're going to have to make that, that's, that's, that's more work over time because with every update to the underlying platform, you're also going to be entering into a maintenance cycle to uh, keep your custom code, you know, in check uh, and up to date against that that underlying framework. But you know, if the vendor, if the OEM, especially offers offers this functionality um, with a paid version, then it becomes much more compelling if you need those, if you need that feature set and it becomes a much easier purchase. And then also that the benefit there is also that that stuff is in, is, is part of the support scope. Um, you're not dealing with potentially two different vendors um, for, uh, for support escalations. Yeah. Well, and you know, in that case, and I think it's interesting that it's figuring out sometimes where are the extensions available that are equal or better um, or other add-ons, you know, integrations and SaaS solutions and things that you can bolt onto Magento uh, or other platforms for that matter. And where can't you easily? And so like with B2B, I actually immediately in my head, I think of companies like Headworks that have built extensions that do a lot of the things that, that Magento Commerce, that Adobe Commerce B2B does, where things like Page Builder 
are a little bit harder to replicate. I know that there are some solutions that are in the works and there are some extensions and other things. And for some page builder, you know, they have their developers coding out the pages anyway. <laughs> you know, page yeah. builder isn't their penultimate focus. Um, you know, I've seen others even recently in the Magento forums that, you know, to say, you know, page builder isn't really strong enough for them anyway. It doesn't really get them across the finish line. But I think that it's when you get a feature like that that's not really available to the community. Um, and I know that that was one that the community was expecting to come to the open source version. So that's a whole other uh, <laughs> a whole other can of worms. But I, that's where, you know, at, at that point, you can um, you can start to figure out okay, well, I really need these things that I can't really get easily otherwise, and I don't really want to build and maintain them. As you said, that gets expensive. Uh, and you know, But if it's one thing, could you just build it? And would that make more sense than the ongoing license fees, especially if you're thinking about it over 10 years as opposed to over two or three? Uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I want to you know, shift a little bit from the core, which I think is is obviously where a lot of the the language around total cost of ownership in e-commerce is focused. A lot of the marketing and sales materials, a lot of the conversations are focused. But I th think that the math gets wonkier as you get further into the apps and the the add-ons. So when I think about, for instance, uh, you know, I'll pick on Shopify for the moment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, very popular platform. Then it's a compared to Magento off the shelf, it's pretty austere. So yeah. you need a lot of apps to operate a similar business, assuming that the apps are going to work together and not conflict, because unlike Magento extensions, you can't really work through some of those conflicts that, you know, that these are really separate pieces of software operating independently. Um, it's not like installing extensions and having access to the, to the code. Uh, there are you know, there are different things happening there, but now not only do you have to worry about what's your ongoing feed to the platform, which can change and go up over time, uh, you know, you don't own it, they can, <laughs> they can introduce price increases, including if as a merchant, if your business is growing, that there's kind of a tax uh, associated with that. But then you've got all these apps that do a little bit of the same, that you're paying monthly fees, um, there might be 20 or 30 of them. Uh, prices go up over time. You're now beholden to a lot of that. Is anyone really doing a good job of doing the math around that? Is that is that kind of uh, overlooked in the total cost of ownership conversation, or do you think that that that, that the spreadsheets are doing a good job of capturing it? <laughs> I mean, I would assume uh, you know any capable uh, commerce manager um, of any you know in any business certainly should be looking at you know looking at TCO, not just as like, what's my rent for the platform I'm using? You know, is it, is it $29 a month? Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's the compelling TCO story there. Um, but it's also, it's, it's, it's those payment, it's the payment fees, which, you know, which exists no matter what you're using, you're paying, you're paying a, a transaction fee, you're paying a percentage. Um, you know, it's, it's also shipping. So these are, these are, these are shared kinds of costs, but um, but yes, the the extension ecosystem around it, um, it it does two things. It does what you say, which is it it just increments up, um, increments up your your cost of actually running that platform from you know month to month. It also um, it also as you introduce more and more, um, as you introduce more and more. Um, apps and vendors into your world and this is true in, uh, in for platforms in general you are you are increasing your 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 you know your potential support air like surface area uh, cause for support you're you're in you're you're introducing you know more complexity um now the reason you do this is because it it, it you know the the benefits outweigh the risk, the benefit, and the you know, hopefully the revenues outweigh the costs, and you're able to do you know do more with what you have. So you yes, you may you may add you know if you if you've got a twenty nine dollar a month cost, but and then you add in a a twenty dollar a month extension, you know you're well you're increasing your costs like sixty six percent, but you potentially could increase your revenue substantially. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, yeah, everyone should be looking, should be constantly looking at this and then looking at how, what you're getting for what you're paying. Um, and, and then the, the associated risks, how those compare from platform to platform. And I think you can, you can actually do that, um, irrespective of, um, proprietary or open. Yeah. I think that's one of the bigger challenges that I've always faced is, you know, that, that these things really aren't always apples to apples and, what what I often find gets lost in the mix is if you're just trying to break it down to a spreadsheet, um, it's back to opportunity costs. So like you say, you know, you could add this thing for $20, but it can increase your revenue by X percent or by X. You know, sometimes it's not about the cost. It's about <laughs> uh, it, it's about the, the revenue, the profit margins, the, uh, you know, the all the, the beautiful things that we like to think about, all those other metrics that really are going to impact the bottom line, uh, you know, av- average order values and uh, customer lifetime values and conversion rates. And, uh, you know, that these things are not intrinsically the same. Um, so, yes, you know, you could say everybody's going to have credit card processing and maybe over here you can negotiate a better rate. And over there, you know, you're kind of locked into a rate. Um, or you have to pay a penalty to use a third party, um, you know. And so some things like that might be a little bit easier to compare side by side. Um, but I do think that, especially as we think about ecosystems and you know the integrations and extensions and apps and modules and plugins and add-ons and whatever else we're going to call them amongst the <laughs> different platforms, that's where you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, being open to innovate because there's an easy way to get the latest and greatest. That's important too. And I think that, um, you know, that, that just looking at the, the cost is a little dangerous sometimes. Always, 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 because that's just, that's, I mean, that's just, that's the rosy view, right? It's, it's just the assuming it's assuming, uh, everything is as I need it now and nothing's going to change. And, and it's, it's, I may be really lucky the business, the, 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 you know, the, a a merchant of any stripe. Um, If, if that's what they can get away with, like, and that's sufficient, then wow, that's amazing. But that's really, really rare because uh, this day and age, I think odds are a competitor, you know, if you're if you're in a valuable space, either someone's going to see that and compete, or someone's going to discover that and end up in competition, or some something something's going to grow in your direction, or whatever. So you really need to constantly look at how um, you know how quickly you can respond, um, how how easy it is to differentiate, um, and and you know build on you know even if it's differentiating your own service, right? So maybe it could be the case that you don't have any effective uh, competitors close by, but, you know, maybe, maybe your audience gets, um, gets bored with the same thing. Um, Well, look, if you're not competing against Amazon today, I think it's fair to assume you will be tomorrow. So you've got to offer something that that they don't in terms of customer experience and, uh, you know, just having a very basic bland website isn't necessarily going to build that relationship with the consumer, isn't necessarily going to uh, keep that relationship strong, give them pleasure in the shopping experience, make them happy, get them uh, excited about something that it really does take some innovation that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that this is an industry that you can stagnate in. But, you know, we've all seen businesses that, that, you know, thrived and surprised us and others that failed, you know, some big names, uh, you know, I don't know if we have any standalone toy stores left that, you know, brands like Toys R Us. And, you know, there are arguments for uh, buyouts and mismanagement and over leveraging and other things, but they became a place with shelves. It was a commodity that, you know, in a lot of those stores, they weren't hosting a lot of events. They didn't have, you know, shop clerks or whatever, you know, you know, people there to help you to really figure out uh, what the best thing was for this kid's birthday or, 
this or that, that, um, that they lost something in terms of, you know, well, if you could just go and order it online and it's cheaper and you don't have to go anywhere, well, great. Um, and I think that we're seeing some of that happen in the e-commerce space now, where if you're just offering a commodity purchase, uh, that is easy to replace. It's easy to be leapfrogged in that, um, that a lot of the best brands today, they're offering some kind of an experience, something to, to get behind, <laughs> something to come back to. Toy, so Toys R Us, I mean, it's, it maybe is a little bit easier to, to call out and, and uh, recognize and refer to the analysis of, of you know, the successes and failures of the really big companies. But if you look at the history of Toys R Us, um, founded in like, it's like 40, basically, you know, it, it began essentially in like 48 or like the late forties. Um, and, you know, look at what it survived. I mean, the evolution that went to it getting, you know, to where it was, um, adopting, you know, sort of new, new trends. I mean, I remember going to buy, it was a video game I loved at the mall where I grew up, uh, Russian Attack, right? Where it's it's, it's it's a great game because, you know, you're just, it's one of those where you're walking straight across the screen, encountering, you know, villains and challenges. And, you know, you're basically armed with a knife <laughs> and, and occasionally in a bazooka or whatever. But like, you know, I think, I think, and I think to beat it, you ended up stabbing a missile, like, and fighting off wool, like, like attack dogs, but also stabbing a missile with your knife. And once you do that enough, you win the game. I got my copy from my Nintendo, my original Nintendo entertainment system. Um, from, I remember my, my family driving to the next town over to get this video game. And so, you know, even that might, might not have been an obvious toy category for them, but at least they figured that out. They survived a lot of cultural changes throughout the years and grew into the thing, but you know, but eventually weren't able to adapt to the really rapid change and and the the you know I think you could call it a sea change that that came along with with the internet. But then there was there was also plenty of opportunity for them because they had, you know, they had the they had the physical presence. Um, you mentioned like they could have been doing events. They they could have be you know, started doing. They could have actually been a leader in sort of big boxes getting into experiential things and and sort of building out. Um, you know, connecting online, offline. Like th- there was there was every opportunity to do that. I mean, the interesting thing about the Toys R Us story for me was that you know Toys R Us used the some of the legacy stuff that got spun out of eBay. Like they're they're their commerce back end um, was part of that 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 group, along with Magento, spun out under eBay Enterprise and then went off on its own way. How much did the tech, you know, this this very very legacy tech that I think is effectively dead and gone now, how much of that is still around? Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, how much did that how much did that did that really change um, change the course? Like. If they're on, you know, if they're on a um, a more open platform, uh, a more modern platform, and, and a more modernizable platform that leaves room for innovation, that is kind of decoupled, that 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 allows the company to react, um, and 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 ideally, you know, predict and shape the future. Um, you know, do you still have Toys R Us? Um, I mean, I'm not gonna, and I'm not, I don't want to dismiss the influence of. Um, I don't want to dismiss the influence of of like the other big box stores that came along with toy sure, categories Walmart and stuff. Walmart, Target, and, and I mean Barnes and Noble wound up full of toys. Uh, it, yeah. th- there was definitely a watering down of that market. Uh, but but they're an know, interesting case study, that's for sure. But they you know they had the customer data. You know they they yeah. they really could have um, you know been a little more innovative and 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 at least at least prolonged even further the inevitable but you know do i think that there's a case for like a big box toy experience today i mean I, i'm i our kids 27 so i don't i'm not buying them toys very often but um you know i don't i'm not aware of a toys r us like you know suit like a toy superstore brand alive in america today so Maybe that that it's time had come, but could have adapted into something else. Maybe the you know the the, the toy section of Target 
or Walmart would have been like the Toys R Us branded section of mm-hmm. those things. Again, you know, the tech is just one part of it, but you know, you do have to consider like how much is is your tech shaping your destiny and how much can you shape your destiny with your tech? Like wow. that's that's a good consideration and also relevant to TCO because that absolutely falls squarely into opportunity cost, which which I I I really just don't see opportunity cost uh, as part of TCO presentations when when I see them. It's just it's just this factor that isn't really considered, and I really think it it belongs there. You know, kind of first class next to other more obvious things like licensing costs and and things like that. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I I think I brought up Toys R Us just because I miss it a little bit myself, having been part of that generation, uh, or one of you know, one of the generations that, that grew up with that experience. But I don't want to grow up. I'm a I'm a Toys R Us kid. kid. Yeah, uh, you know Jeffrey the Tiger or the the giraffe and all that jazz, mm-hmm. and it, it was um, there were good times. But you know this is part of where <clears throat> we all saw a lot of businesses have to innovate quickly. Old point of sale software in the retail stores, old ERPs, old things that now they're trying to deal with real time store pickup and a buy online return in store and all these omni channel, multi channel, unified commerce experiences. And um, it gets tough. And, you know, even thinking about some of the SaaS platforms, some of them have a lot of API throttling and a lot of limitations um, on what you can do. And that goes back to when you need to move quickly and you need to delight your customers uh you know that's sometimes uh you know it's those things that you don't expect that really get you so this is and this is okay you brought up a you put an ideal topic so i i, I know we're we're getting into we we are setting up for a a um a specific version of this conversation around like SaaS and and um and and self-hosted or proprietary and proprietary and open as, as we might, I might want to preferentially call it. Um, but yeah, so API throttling, can we move quickly enough? Uh, can we do what we need to do? Or, you know, and that, that might be something that a SaaS platform does. Right. And, and, and you could see that as a potential opportunity cost. Can we serve our customers when we need to serve them as quickly as we need to serve them? Now there is, you know, so if I'm a, if I'm a, a, you know, a self-hosted or an open platform, I might say in my, in my literature, see, they, they, they throttle, they throttle your, your flash sales and you'll, you'll, you could fall over. Well, perfectly analogous situation on the other side is like, is your environment that your your instance is running in can it scale up quickly enough? Like like how easily can you handle that traffic? How easily Look, can you I mean, for it? Jetrail is one of the the best lines of business that we've gotten off of uh, you know Adobe Commerce Cloud. Were the folks that had challenges auto scaling? They came to our environments for it instead. We're you know scaling horizontally and vertically. Now, they continue to innovate. So I I take you know nothing away from uh, from them in their future, but these are things that you, when you need it, you need it. This isn't an option anymore. Uh, so I think that that's a lot of what would people run into. I think that a lot of the challenge is that you don't always know what you need in advance. You don't always know every app that you're going to be using and every integration and what that's going to cost you before you launch, um, that, I, it's hard to find a serious, you know, sizable project that doesn't have some kind of scope changes or that's not a little bit more agile today. That's for me part of, um, you know, part of the challenge is factoring in some of the unknown and, you know, almost thinking of it. I loved when I was putting together uh, proposals in my agency days, I had the proposal. Um, and I had all of the extensions and all the apps and all yep. the integrations and all those costs that was all yep. presented. But then side by side, I had a risk analysis. Um, and that came very late in the game for me. But it was basically, these are the things that could push this out of budget, out of scope, out of some level of satisfaction. And I, I want to spend a little time with you in advance so that you know if you sign with us. <laughs> um these are the things that are outside of of our control as an agency, as an organization. Um, 
you know, there are some unknowns. Hey, look, there could be, you know, some massive security patches that come up in a month that we now need to include for your launch that, uh, you know, that were more cumbersome than anything we would have anticipated at that time. It's going to add a few hours, you know, that's going to be there. We're going to install these two extensions. And if they don't work together, we're going to have to do some debugging and, and deal with, with some conflict resolution or, or come up with plan B that there's always something there. And sometimes it's about that, for me, that ability to innovate and and what can you do or how boxed in are you? How many, how many plan B, C, D are there if you need them versus is there one app for that? Or is that, you know, or, or is that not editable, not, uh, not functional, but I think I'm continuing to set us up for for the second part of this little tiny mini series that uh, yeah. That but actually, got. I can I think I can distill what you're what you're getting at. I, I really like the I connect with it because I that was my favorite thing. I think at, at Blue Acorn at times, especially if I needed a break from from my uh, from code editor, um, was uh, was doing the doing the pre-sale stuff. You know, putting together like you know, looking at the list of partners that we knew in the different categories and just sort of looking at the RFP and saying, okay, well, this is, this is all going to be Magento. Okay. Here's this thing that's custom. We could build this in here. There is an extension kind of in the space, you know, maybe there's a, there's a, it's a combination of the two. And then, but then yes, figuring out like what, what, what does this do over time? Um, And and what are, what are the risks? And, and I think one of the challenges is, is that, you know, TCO on the surface, it seems to be TCO seems to be about fixed costs and fixed percentages. Like, Oh, you know, Cost of goods sold is going to be, you know, my my licensing costs for my platform, my maybe maybe customer acquisition costs, and my um, my uh, transaction rate and, and shipping. But I'd say the insidious side of TCO is really about that risk risk analysis, risk management, um, and included in that bucket. I think it fits under that bucket. I, I might have to to kind of. Hmm. scratch this out a little bit is the is the opportunity cost you know opportunity like if you can't capitalize on an opportunity that seems like a risk to me yeah maybe another day we're gonna have a third part where we're <laughs> gonna get into risk analysis because it's a i don't know why i enjoy that i shouldn't like i'm not born to be an insurance salesman or anything i'm pretty sure but the you know i would look at things that, and even with the SaaS platforms because obviously you know when you're when you're responsible for the stack with a platform like Magento, there's a little bit more that you have to consider uh, in terms of your maintenance and patching and and other things and um, and you know hosting and and uh, other things that you're going to deal with as individual line items uh, and, and you're going to be responsible for. But you know, as I worked with some of the the SaaS platforms, I remember when Big Commerce went from their old theming. Uh, system blueprint over to stencil. And if yeah. you wanted to continue to really be at, at the forefront of anything there with big commerce, you really needed to plan to replace your theme. And that's not a small job. Um, you know, it, I, is it unreasonable? No, I remember when websites needed to go from being uh, desktop only to maybe having a mobile version or, or then, of course, to being mobile responsive. And you had to replace your front end, you know, replace your theme. And these things happen. I, I remember uh, with Shopify when um, they replaced their uh, inventory API with a multi-location inventory API and they deprecated the old. And so anybody that was integrating with their ERP or point of sale or any other external systems that, that were going to handle that uh, inventory management and such, um, you needed to rewrite you know, some of the integration. Nothing in tech is meant to stay <laughs> exactly the same forever and ever other and if it is you're probably being left behind somewhere so yeah well so there's another there's another dimension here um just so we can again leave leave enough space for leave enough space for the the on-prem SaaS uh open closed discussion and that is you know and I, and I, it popped in my head when you mentioned so yes i mean tech is kind of designed to change but 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 change is also so sometimes or often tech is engendering the change right as as um i like to talk about the the introduction of like split and multi or you know ab testing multivariate testing um 
and websites and you can find out, okay, if we put the, the add to cart button here or, you know, versus here, if it's this color, this color, if we change this copy to this copy, this title, this title, this price, to this price, you, you start to figure out the things that, that work. But then like once, once that, once you once you drill in on that, then you, you continue to iterate as a, as a merchant and then as a vertical and then as, as an industry and things become, you know, what, what was novel and, and experimental at one point, then eventually will win out and becomes the norm. Um, you, you do have these, like this orthogonal things that happen, like, uh, the introduction of the iPhone and iPad, right. That changes the nature of commerce and, and how people do commerce and where, um, but, um, kind of stepping stepping back to you know you brought up you brought up the the changes to theming architecture um you know these were this is this these risks exist across not even just in e-commerce i mean i remember what gutenberg was supposed to do for wordpress, WordPress yeah and i was actually just just you know reading about it not really being in that ecosystem so much i was i was like oh, yeah this is gonna this is gonna set a new standard this was actually part of the impetus. Um, if I remember my timeline correctly, I think it's a part, one of the reasons that I you know, made such a case for us to acquire Bluefoot, which became page builder, uh, when I was at Magento. Um, but you know, it turns out like that actually became this, this big thing and this big problem. And, and, um, I I'd say just on the surface, you know, I could be wrong. Um, just, or, or just completely unfamiliar, but it, it seems like it was a, a misunderstanding of what the audience actually needed. And then also, you know, your, your resistance to um, what had made WordPress WordPress work for so long. I mean, WordPress has an impossible challenge that was explained really well at, at the PHP tech conference um, several years ago by uh, I think it was Andrew Nason. He was just like, someone was giving him crap about like, you know, not moving fast enough and not, not, up, not, not updating the lowest version supported version of, um, uh, PHP is, and you know, he had great way of shutting everything down. He said, look, if we screw up, we break like 70% of the internet, you know, it's like <laughs> we, we, they have, they have, they have that yeah. really big challenge. Um, so I don't, you know, every platform has this thing and it could be a major version update for uh, an open platform like Magento. It could be a change in theming architecture, which you could also see as kind of like this externally impacting version change for something like BigCommerce or Shopify. But then going a step further um, or a step maybe off to the side, you you see something like, you know, what is, it's also about what is the nature of the relationship of the platform to its ecosystem and what are the, like, how are the partners, um, especially the tech partners, you know, enabled or not to do what they need to do both for where, you know, with the platform, where the platform is today, and then also where it's going. Um, an example could be the B2B suite that was built for Magento. I know I did a lot of groundwork just in my travels. I would run across agencies who would specialize in uh, specialize in, you know, taking Magento and making it B2B. Um, and uh, there was one company in the Netherlands, Experius, um, who uh, were, were just, this was, this was a huge line of their business. Like mo- I think the majority of their business was like Magento and B2B. And so, you know, the relationship that the, that the, the OEM, Magento has with its ecosystem meant that we, we had direct access to, uh, these, these people doing this stuff. We were able to, to gather their input. And then actually, I think the B2B, the B2B suite in Magento ended up really good, both from a base functionality, but especially extensibility standpoint, because it was built not as an outcome of whiteboarding by architects, you know, at, at, at Magento who weren't building these implementations themselves, but with extensive input from the partner ecosystem that was going to be, you know, have to actually work with this stuff and had all that, also that relevant experience. So even, even an ecosystem relationship, um, is, is, is tremendously important to, uh, the, the TCO landscape when you're considering a platform. And I, I mean, and I would say like, 
I think big com- this is something that big commerce gets really, really right. Every 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 vendor I talk to, and I'm talking to a lot of tech vendors these days as part of my go-to-market strategy for bringing shopware, especially to the U.S. Um, I generally hear nothing but positive about big commerce's partner um, partner ecosystem, um, and and I, I think that's a that's a tough thing to get right, but I think it's something to be lauded, and I think it it helps. It helps in the long run because I think it again it helps you it helps you build a smarter product it helps you know your your ear is that much closer to the ground you can you can pick up on opportunities you can detect problems a lot more easily and and do the necessary corrections and make the right plans. Well, I I'll give credit there. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, uh, JetRails is the only web hosting provider in the the big commerce uh, app store, and you know we've got. Uh, some great friends over there. I'm on my third partnership with Big Commerce, so I think very, very highly of their team. But I think a lot of it came from their outlook as underdogs in the market, as having co- competitors that they needed to, in a lot of ways, uh, I, I don't know if catch up is the right term, but, but that they really uh, needed to strive to offer something better to the community, to the market. And that wasn't just offering specific things to merchants. That was, um, you know, coming to the e-commerce community and knowing how platforms like Magento really built around those communities, all that innovation, all of the extensions and integrations and themes and um, and uh, everything else that came with it, that uh, they certainly took that seriously and, and they get a lot of credit for that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I can give firsthand, uh, uh, you know, uh, feedback there myself. Um, and, you know, I think in our next episode, we're going to have to talk a little bit about partnering with Shopware and the ecosystem that you're now uh, working to drive. But I think we should cut it here. And I should be telling our audience to make sure if you want to catch this next episode to subscribe wherever you're consuming this wonderful piece of media. So whether that's on YouTube or, you know, whether you're catching a clip on LinkedIn or Twitter or uh, Facebook uh, or the podcast itself, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, be sure to subscribe to JetRails and uh, uh, don't miss out on, on this next part. So Ben, we're going to hit pause and we're going to set up for part two. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.